Hey everyone and welcome to Almost Cancelled. I am Peter, that is Tara, and we are going to talk about Big Little Lies Season 2, Episode 1. It's called What Have They Done? So, full spoilers for the episode as always. And this is a weird experience for me because I literally just finished Season 1 <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I'm a little bit jealous because I had to do that recap in the beginning and a lot of the scenes I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um yeah for me that was a weird experience i was like i don't need this i just watched it <laughs> like i just i let you just get through all this um but obviously for most people it's been two years so it makes sense that you know, they had a nice expansive recap uh it was actually quite a short episode compared to like like it was only like 40 something minutes like it was shorter oh, really? than yeah it was like shorter than all the season one episodes i wonder if that's just this episode or if it's going to be shorter across the board or i don't know it's interesting i don't know i didn't even notice the length yeah um so yeah I mean, where, do we, where do we start because i mean this was based on a book season one uh there is no second book i believe and this is a continuation that was not planned it was meant to be a miniseries uh in fact you have joked many times with me that they they, they won a bunch of emmys for miniseries <laughs> and now it's not a miniseries anymore <laughs> nope <laughs> so, we'll keep these emmys thank you yeah we'll keep these emmys but now there's a season two because all the big stars that were in it said hey we want to come back and do another one and hbo were like yeah we'll do another one yeah and then apparently more stars were like hey we'll do season two with you okay yeah. meryl streep <laughs> yeah meryl streep was like hey i want to do a big little live season and then everyone was like yeah okay we'll we'll, we'll come up with some sort of story yeah we'll do it we'll just <laughs> we rustle, we'll rustle one up uh so yeah, I mean, first things first. Who who is she and who is she playing? She she is playing. Uh, what was the name? Mary Louise. What I say? Mary Louise. Yeah, yeah. Mary Louise. Uh, she is Perry's mother, uh, who comes to town. Uh, oh, she's already in town. We actually start. You know, it's a year later. So start of second grade. So it's been a year uh, since the first season. I mean, I don't know how much time was in season one, but I think it was only like a week or so. Like it wasn't uh, maybe two weeks. It wasn't like a lot of time passed in the season. Um. Yeah, I don't remember. I'll think there was uh, maybe, maybe a month at most like, but it wasn't like we were halfway through the school year or anything like that you know I don't, I don't think we got to Christmas or anything like that it was I don't think so either yeah. so it's, it's been you know mo mo most of a year since season one's ending and um, we we have Mary Louise who doesn't seem to, I don't know how much she knows about what, what Perry had, had done I would hasten to guess probably not a lot uh, she might know something because she wants to know why her son is dead and she seems to be caring about investigating that um but because he tripped and fell and because it's on the record that he was attacking them i assume she at least knows some of that like right i mean you would expect so i don't know you see her with her grandkids when they're fighting in the car mm. and she seems to put an end to it pretty quickly so maybe she just thinks that's how boys are like if it's something that's been passed on with his through his genes or whatever then and mm. then his kids also have more aggression like maybe that's all she knows uh, that may be the interesting part of this season actually is seeing like uh, like is she in any way to blame for how he is which is a weird direction to go down but like are we going to see how she deals with the boys is, is it going to be like no she's kind of I don't know the way she raises someone is that is that in some way like how his mentality was shaped I mean she's so passive aggressive oh she is she she is in I mean, every single scene she, she, she might be my new favorite character she, she's she's, <laughs> the, she's so like uh, she, she's so good at doing that whole 
insult and then like oh i'm not insulting you honey yeah she's not she's not throwing punches physically but she's certainly throwing a few verbal things in various directions mainly at madeline uh throughout this episode yeah there's some good scenes uh where she's calling madeline out on her bullshit and she says like because she's not even like sugarcoating it she's she's very like oh you remind me of this person who was this vapid little shit (laughs) when when i was in like college or whatever she said um and madeline's just like huh okay um okay. yes my and co- madeline like does her thing too where she stands up and says you need to apologize that was rude and i know you're grieving right now mm. and she goes you're right i'm sorry i noticed you're wearing heels yeah that reaction her reaction to that was she's like <laughs> okay all right that, yeah that felt because judge- in the earlier scenes they she called her short yeah <laughs> I don't um, trust little people. <laughs> I feel like Madeline wears heels all the time anyway, so I like like I feel like she's making a dig about her like intentionally trying to make herself taller, but at the same time I'm like I feel like if you go back and watch season one, Madeline was probably in heels like like pr- two thirds of the time or something like probably. that. You know, yeah. That just seems to be you know, it's how she dresses, it's how she wants it's to dress. It's a little it's a little like Lucille Bluth. Oh sure. It's a, it is a little bit Lucille Bluth. You're right. Mm-hmm. I can see that. I can see that comparison. Just these these tiny little subtle passive aggressive insults that add up mm. to make someone crazy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see it. Because we see her at the start <laughs> of the episode. She's there. Uh, Celeste wakes up, has a nightmare. Uh, surprise, surprise. Perry's left nightmares in her head. Who could have thought mm. that? And she's sleeping with the yeah. boys who are in the in the bed with her. And this is when we make me really. She's just kind of there. And I think. From a direction standpoint, because I think one of the things we'll talk about over the course of this episode is any differences we feel from season one, because it is a different director uh, than season one. It's not uh, Jean... It's not Valet, right? I can't remember his full name. Uh, it's Andrea Arnold who's directing this. And I recognised that name, and I was like, well, where do I know her name from? Uh, she directed a film called Fish Tank, uh, which I've seen. Oh, okay. Uh, with Michael Fassbender, uh, which I actually thought was a really good movie. So I actually, I, I'm going to end up saying, oh, she's actually a really good director. So, I mean, but at the same time, it's not necessarily the same style from what I expect from season one. And I think I did feel a little bit of a difference. I felt like this... I did too. Like, it was still... Yeah, I, I did. It's not as dreamlike when you mm. watch it. Like, I feel like... As, it, I think season one. It's intentionally putting some of that in because season one had that. There's, there's the odd cut to the ocean. There's the odd little dreamlike moment, but mm-hmm. it kind of feels like it's doing it because season one set that up, not because this director naturally goes that way and does that kind of thing. Uh, yeah. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's interesting to you know, note the observations, uh, the differences. Um, but what I thought was interesting about her introduction here is that and kind of what I think represents her 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 presence in the show because when I reviewed the finale like just like yesterday <laughs> and put that up, one of the things I said when I was theorizing about season two and Meryl Streep being involved is that well we've had the conflict resolved essentially from season one. There has to be a new antagonist of some kind, and mm-hmm. given that all the you know the as we as we come to call them in this episode the, the Monterey Five, uh, given that they are all kind of on a a unified front now like you know it's like you know renata and madeline aren't fighting anymore she's not fighting with jane anymore like like everyone's kind of united in some capacity we have to have someone who's a wrench in the works and i felt like it's probably going to be meryl streep and i think her introduction here in a subtle way if you will kind of shows that because her 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 introduction it feels invasive you know like celeste just sort of turns around and she's She's there there. she's fully dressed she's like looking over the bed being like shouldn't those kids be awake already like clearly 
clearly Mary Louise has been up for a long time because she is ready to go <laughs> since the forties, apparently. Um, <laughs> but she, you know, she, she, not only is she just there, she's yeah, like you say, she's immediately criticizing, she's immediately prodding, and like yeah. getting in the way, and like pointing. But she at... still comes off as like I'm here to help you. Oh sure. And I think Celeste is kind of making the same mistake from season one, where she's not recognizing where something like, she thinks that she needs help with the kids. And because she's going through this hard time and they're going through a hard time. But really, she's just adding more abuse, although this time it seems to be like emotional abuse. Yeah. And it's, it's back to the title of the show, right? Big Little Lies. Like this, this, <laughs> like it's the front that it's presented in niceness, but it's actually really kind of uh, confrontational. And it's very like, because it's not just that, it's like she's immediately like, calling celeste out and saying she's saying she's to blame for the boys not being ready for school like she doesn't say that outright but she very much implies it. it's like hey you're doing things wrong you're harming their upbringing you're you know like yeah. it's just these very like i don't even want to call them subtle because i don't think they're that subtle but <laughs> like you know they're there it's, it's definitely not said out loud and right. I, th- I think that's a an interesting interest of character and mm-hmm. but they do this thing kind of like with perry where they give you two sides of her because when they're in the car and they're you know the boys are fighting in the back seat and they won't listen to Celeste. She's like, no, you listen to your mother. So like she she works really hard and you know like, and she does this thing. Yeah. She, you know because that was with she Perry. Gets a smile. Because Perry did that thing in season one where okay it'd be really bad in one scene but then he'd be like a really at least on a you know an appearance level a great father. He'd be playing with the boys. It's, you know it seemed like he was good in other parts of his life. And even in Celeste's memories in this episode, she's like thinking about him at one point and she's remembering all the happy memories and feeling right. guilty. Yeah, I think that was intentional. Yeah, yeah, that, that was really just good. all these. Even though when she goes to sleep, she has these horrible images. But what she's just thinking when she's awake, it's all this nice flowery imagery of them being in love. Yeah, being in love, him being a great father, and everything else. And some of, some of the dreams are pretty dark. Like they're like they start fighting while she's actually getting like a scan at the doctor's. You know, she's pregnant, and you know there's a scratch on his face, and she attacks him from from you know from the chair, and mm-hmm. it's just like. There's symbolism here. Like she feels that even when she was pregnant, she she was to blame for like anything he was going through. Uh, you know, it's really and obviously she goes to her therapist who we see again. Uh, everyone's got a different haircut, by the way. Like almost everyone has different hair. Jane's got bangs. The therapist's hair's grown out. Gordon's hair's grown out a little bit. Um, I don't remember the hairstyles. You don't remember the hairstyles? Well, no. I just find she's the one that all sticking out to me. I, mean, I remember I- Nicole Kidman's hair because she looked amazing in that strawberry blonde with the bangs. I was so jealous, <laughs> and she still has it. So that's yeah. the only one I remember. No, she's no her and Madeline. Like, I mean, Ed kept the shaven beard. He had a beard last season, but he shaved it in the finale. So that's right. I do remember that. Yeah. So, so he's kept he's kept that. Uh, so he's more Ben. He's more Ben Wyatt now. It's hard. It's harder for me to separate him from Parts and Rec now because he's shaved. Right. What are you doing? What are you doing? Um, yeah. So he's great in this episode. He has some of the best scenes. We'll get to his really weird scene, um, and and the and the middle of the episode. He has two weird scenes. He has two weird yeah. scenes. You're oh, you're right. The one with Nathan's pretty weird as well, actually. Uh, but so just to stick on Celeste and and Mary Louise here, uh, you know, we see this scene at dinner where you know Celeste's been out talking to Jane, which is an interesting conversation. It's on right because Jane's like, "Hey, you're mad at me, uh, even a little bit, uh, because I did technically sleep with your husband." Uh, yeah, uh, and that that thought had crossed my mind previously. I'll be honest, it never actually did for me. Well, I mean, t- to be fair, though, the one detail I, I don't think I realized is that she knew he was married. I don't think I knew that. Because that, that's the one part she brings up where she feels guilty about it. It's like, no, no, I initially, I went back to the hotel room knowing he was married. Like, 
I didn't know that part. Um, given the circumstances, though, like, I, I wouldn't have thought she would be mad. And I, I don't think Celeste is. I mean... I mean, yeah, I think Celeste had seen him as a villain. But then once we see that she's thinking about him in this loving way again, mm. where she's conflicted of whether or not she misses him or... I don't know. But, um, but I think maybe that will come up again. Because mm-hmm. if she keeps having these memories of him being uh, this great husband and great father and what have I done, like maybe she will hold a bit more resentment because she doesn't really answer the question. She doesn't know. By the end. And again, it plays out the theme of the, the show, you know, Big Little Lies. Like I, I keep saying that, but it, the, the, this show is so much about hiding their own feelings. Like, that is so much what this show is. And what is the cost of Big Little Lies? <laughs> <laughs> That's what that show is missing. There's not enough graphite lying around on the ground. That's what it's missing. <laughs> there's no, there's no Diatlov style villain. Like who, who do I hate more, Perry, Perry Wright or Diatlov from Chernobyl? Diatlov. I mean, Diatlov <laughs> did almost screw an entire continent and did lead to thousands of deaths. So, I mean, that I suppose objectively that's the worst one. But I mean, you know. <laughs> yep. That's Chernobyl if anyone hasn't watched it yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, watch Chernobyl. It's a great five episode miniseries. Uh, oh, it's great. Great. Uh, Not so, over it. <laughs> no, no. Uh, still in my mind. Chernobyl memes are giving me life right now. Um, <laughs> the, the romantic ones between uh, like Azov and, and Boris especially. Uh, really. So great. <laughs> Close your eyes, comrade. What do you see, comrade? Nothing, comrade. Nothing, comrade. <laughs> That's my world without you, comrade. Comrade. <laughs> I love that one. All right. Um, so one of the little uh, set dressing notes uh, I wanted to mention, actually, is... Uh, so so Celeste is actually still in the house because, obviously, with, with Perry dead, she didn't have to go to an apartment. She's like, oh, I can keep my big house. Nice. Um, but she one of the things I noticed, though, is that when we saw that house last season, it was always pristine. It was always this picture-perfect rich person's house, right? And when yeah. you see it in the opening scene of this episode, that closet that we were in multiple times, that big walk-in closet with the big central area and, you know, where mm. a lot of this assaulting happened, there's, like, clothes lying on the floor, it's disheveled, it's messy, it's like, no. She's still in the big house, the big fancy rich house, but it's not, It's something's not quite right inside. The, you know, things right. aren't in the right place. Interesting. Um, yeah, well, she's probably, like, depressed also. Oh, sure. Or dealing with the... Uh, either depression or anxiety and that is usually a pretty good sign as you can see i'm clearly mentally stable <laughs> yes the fact that you're moving house in less than a week and you've emptied it and that's why it's so neat and tidy i also have no furniture yet. <laughs> yeah <laughs> that, that's nothing to do with it yeah i mean oh, yeah there's literal reasons why she maybe isn't like keeping up with the you know the, the tidying up and the whatever but i think just from a symbolic perspective of like where she is in the the, the show right now it kind of says mm-hmm. a lot but we have this scene... Yeah, the kids are sleeping in the bed with her, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so we have this scene at the dinner table where uh, Mary Louise has made dinner and she starts talking. And again, we see this violent tendency from the boys, which I noted that Celeste was very much like, hey, don't prod your brother with a fork. That's not okay. Mary Louise never really says anything about it. She never really talks about the violence specifically. Um so again i'm I'm paying attention to how she handles the boys i'm, I'm kind of looking for like it, yeah you, you know, want to see why perry ended up the way he is yeah because it may not be her fault it, i mean perry's father could be the, the culprit here uh, or it could be something he developed on his own it absolutely can be it's not always the parents fault although a lot of times it is but it's not always the parents fault sure yeah i mean i'm an angel despite my parents 
I'm just bus. working with what I know from you, so yeah, that's why I'm laughing. <laughs> what are you implying? No. <laughs> what are you implying? How dare well. you? Um, so, no, but she does this thing where she's like bringing up memories of, of their father and they're in San Francisco. And she's like, oh, I remember, you know, we, you know we're, we're going to swim. And that, that's what leads to the, the little fork prodding moment because the boys start fighting. But she, again, she gets very emotional in the scene and she's like, but I, I, every single time she gets emotional in this episode, though, it does have this 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 veil of like like putting on the show like yeah i feel like she's putting on a show to get a reaction out of celeste and to see what celeste does it's all manipulation yeah that's what her emotion is like she probably is grieving but the contrast between seeing her and celeste and then her with madeline and with madeline she just instantly hates mm. is uh it, it still seems like she's just there to to try to poke and prod and she's there to to judge everyone to judge their character yeah yeah and, it, and she says as much i think i think she says she's a pretty good judge of character she prides Clearly herself she didn't on know her son very well but or did she, is, or that, did she yeah. is that is that the dark part here she did know her son very well and still feels the way she does you know mm -hmm. she, she's still dead set and like finding a culprit um and you know, because I think that's like problematic, like or not problematic, but those those worries I have about this being the direction of the season that we have like his mother coming in to basically try and like solve the crime, like on her own, like that could get very hokey. It could get very hokey very quickly, <laughs> depending on how they handle this. So right, well, there is still an investigation that's open. There is, yeah, yeah, they bring that up, yeah. Um, but she does this thing where she screams really loudly. She's like, "We should scream!" And I, like, I feel like in another show, this might be a scene where she gets the, like Celeste and the kids to also scream, and they all have this catharsis. Like, let's all scream together. I was expecting that too. Yeah, but instead, it was just this uncomfortable. Like, you're a crazy Ugh. woman. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, because she's so calm and so soft spoken, and mm -hmm. then she lets out this like blood curdling scream. Yeah, for a long time too. Yeah. And the episode ends, you know, she has another, Celeste has another, has another nightmare and she wakes up, you know, it's just this, some of the violent assaults that we've seen from last season. Um, and in fact, the specific nightmare at the end is the, the, the lineup scene. Like they have like this, obviously, obviously this didn't really happen, but they have like the, 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 the five come out up in the, the lineup in the police station and Perry like walks out the shadows to like, you know, point at his, his, you know, his killer. And right. I think it's, again, going back to the idea that Celeste has guilt, uh, which the, the therapist points out, is that even though Bonnie's the one who actually pushed him, she's the one who feels responsible. That She's the one who feels like, if I didn't leave him on that day, what, right. were you supposed to know he was going to try and kill you? Like, were you supposed to, like, know that, you know, the circumstances would be what they, be what they were? Um, so, but she wakes up and, again, Mary Louise is right there. And she's like, oh, it's okay, dear. It's okay, dear. You're having a nightmare. Uh, so what was that about rape? You know? Uh, no, the first one was about rape. The first one was about rape. The second sorry. one was about killing somebody. You're right. Because the, fin the final line of the episode before it cuts to credits really harshly is, so who are we planning on killing? <laughs> um, right. Because apparently she talks during her nightmares. Yeah. And again, it's like, you know, it's very sweet for a minute. She's just there to help her because she's like worried about her. And then it turns and it's like, She's she's interrogated her. She's like, "Who are we planning on killing?" 
Yeah. Like, what, what's happening here? Uh, does does she actually suspect her daughter-in-law? Is that a thing? Um, you know, so um, it's funny. I actually, kinda, I think I like this plot more more that we're talking about it now. I wasn't sure how I felt about it uh, as I was watching the episode. <laughs> I'm into it. I, it took me a, <clears throat> a minute to get into the show. I think much like the first season, mm. I think the core um, characters and actors are just out of this world phenomenal. They're so good. And the characters are so interesting. But a lot of the side characters are kind of not very good. Like um, the principal really kind of took me out. The whole sure, like assembly yeah. scene where everyone has to sing a song about otters. <laughs> <laughs> they all seem like they're from a different show. Yeah, I can see, see what you mean. Uh, it I found that in season one too, when they had like the interrogation scenes with all the, with all the like, uh, like the it's like glorified te- extras of the show. Yeah, teachers and parents. Yeah, uh, it feels yeah, like, it feels like they they're gone. Very good either. Yeah, it feels like they're gone though, because there wasn't any of that in this episode. No, just the principal. Yeah, just the principal uh, at the school stuff, um, and him and Madeline kind of like laying down the. The battle lines before the skill starts. Um, not enough. Chloe. I did like the way Madeline talked to him, though. She was oh, great. Oh sure, oh sure. Not enough Chloe. Though. <laughs> I miss that, Madeline. That's my complaint. Not enough Chloe. There's like one Chloe scene the whole episode. Damn it. <laughs> mm-hmm. She plays I, a great song and then leaves. Yeah, yeah. and she leaves. Yep. Just good network. Just good network, of course. Um, so yeah, Madeline um, has a job. She she's doing real estate. Um, not very good well though i I will say because she's on the phone at one point that she has like clients who are like hey can you get off the phone can you like do your job well, she says that it's monterey the houses sell themselves <laughs> <laughs> she just shows up and takes credit for him yeah. yeah i mean most of most of her stuff this episode is really obviously between two things it's one sort of dealing with mary louise which we've kind of talked about and then the other thing is dealing with abby and abby not wanting to go to college um, which actually led to one of my favorite cuts in the episode is um, basically after Abby said, I don't want to go to college because the, the, the guy's there to talk about college. And, the, you know, she's like, I don't want to go to college. It's not for me. Like, there's, the world's dying. I, w- I want to do other things that feel more important. And she just storms out. Afterwards, Madeline and Nathan are outside. And Nathan, to be fair, I sometimes feel sorry for Nathan. He's a bit of a dick sometimes, but he mostly tries to keep his cool and just tries to be sensible in the scene. And Madeline mm-hmm. gets really kind of like, you know, why are you not He's freaking out? He's probably like the, yeah, the chillest guy in the show. Yeah. Well, I don't know. All the husbands are pretty chill. Yeah, yeah. Which I think is actually one of the, the, the kind of flaws almost is that they're, they're almost chill to a fault where they don't really pay attention to what's going on. Well, or... yeah. And we may see some of the consequences of that because we see Renata's husband like just getting drunk in his train room. <laughs> yeah, he's got, he's got model trains and he's got toys up on the wall, which I never. Well, sl- she does her own thing. <laughs> I never expected that from Gordon. I have to say, Gordon never gave me that vibe in season one that he had a model train, train room. guy. Yeah, <laughs> news to me. Speaking of, yeah, speaking of, there's a train. Uh, so. No, my favorite cut though is they're outside and she gets really agitated and she shoves him at one point. She shoves Nathan and he's like, "You just hit me." It's like, yeah. and she says, "Shut up" or something like that. And it cuts to like a Celeste scene, and it's this really stark contrast of like that wasn't a hit, Nathan. <laughs> like that was a stupid shove that, that like no one's ever going to talk about. You know, it was it was a contrast of them having this frivolous fight, but it's almost like a healthy fight in a weird way because it's like, yeah, yeah they're getting they're, they're getting loud and they're you know she shoves them a little bit, but it's it's 
like there's never any even a hint of like this could actually go dark this could actually lead to like a, you don't a you don't get moment. the idea that madeline is a violent person yeah or that nathan would be violent in return there's never that feeling from right. either of them um but he kind of goes you just hit me as if he wants to make like some sort of point like you're being an it's abuser right betrayal. now like yeah <laughs> but it cuts to celeste is this really not it's like the harsh reality sets in no this is what abuse is this is what abuse leads to this is what this yeah. world is uh, and i like that cut um and but now she speaks to abby later on and she tries to talk to her but she's like no i've, I've got a placement at a startup we're going to do the uh, you're going to help the homeless which maybe led to one of the best lines of the episode is when madeline just yells out i don't care about the effing homeless <laughs> and like, i don't mean that <laughs> i don't mean that <laughs> i know because um, she's trying to keep that perfect image right and that's yeah. not something somebody perfect would say but no, it is no. a great moment because she's just she's just a mom who cares about her child and she wants the best for her yeah i will say this is maybe one plot that does kind of feel like it's regressing a little bit uh with what season one and where they ended because you know i felt like they had the omission where you know abby kind of like called her out on you 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 just want me to do what you feel like you didn't do what, what you feel like you missed out on and what you the mistakes you made mm-hmm. in your life and i felt like her kind of admitting here that no i didn't go to college and that's exactly why you're going i feel like the show's kind of made that point already. You know, I, I don't yeah. know if they necessarily need to again. And the scene's well done. Like, the acting's good in the scene. So it's not like I was, like, sitting going, oh, this scene's a chore to watch or anything like that. But I was kind of thinking to myself, you've kind of made this point already. And I, I don't know if this feels kind of like we're going back a little bit so they can fight again. When it felt like yeah. they'd, they'd gotten to a better place by the end of season one. Which is maybe the, the casualty of, like, hey, we need a season two. Even though it was, like, a finished story, we need a season two. So that's, you know, some things have a natural, you know, onward flow. Some things well, don't. teenagers are always going to fight with their moms. Oh, sure especially if your mother's madeline yeah <laughs> I, I i feel like I, I do love that um after like after season one and all the events happened that madeline goes straight back to being season one episode one madeline on the first day of school oh yeah she's like it's day one of school and it's like you have to start building up your image all over again i mean it's, it's double standard she's yeah like, if the dad... she seems totally unfazed by the yeah. events that happen where everyone else has this trauma that they're carrying madeline's just right back to normal yeah like, like oh if the dad show up it's like oh the dad's involved he's a great dad but no the moms have to like start building up this this you know facade all over again i mean these perfect moms who bake cakes and go to functions and help with shit yeah <laughs> oh, i love that character she's so good it's cutthroat it's cutthroat um mm-hmm. and then the other thing uh which i'll bring in bonnie's plot here because bonnie's kind of out of it all episode and i feel like we should probably bring that up just because madeline kind of is, is the one who speaks to her uh throughout yeah. the, the episode um, and it seems like she's just having a hard time dealing with the fact that she killed someone. Uh, it turns out that she... Basically, Madeline was the one who lied. Like, she she immediately went, he fell. And then everyone went along with it. And, you know, Bonnie's like, you know, I could have, we could have just told the truth. That it, like, you know, it would, have been, it would have been that harsh a punishment. I pushed him to protect someone and he accidentally died. Like, they said that last season. It'd have been manslaughter, it'd be community service probably. Like, mm-hmm. not a big deal. I mean, it's a big deal, but it's not murder big deal. Um, yeah i'm sure people would have forgiven her because of the situation yeah but now she's living with this and now she's not really speaking to nathan she's going out in these long runs she's hanging outside the police station uh she's not meeting with the other four when they want to have a meeting talking about stuff because you know jane hears that they're referred to as the monterey five and renata's got an inside source (laughs) that says that yeah the case isn't officially dropped but we're good yeah they they don't have anything they don't have anything uh so (laughs) 
that them all being kind of in cahoots is kind of fun like i, I can see that leading to a lot of good stuff um throughout mm-hmm. the season maybe some conflict though along the way uh when it comes to like deciding if they should tell the secret or not or you know who breaks first and tell someone kind of thing you know right. I, I could see some of that uh popping up um right because now it's about protecting themselves instead of just what's best for bonnie yeah yeah um and again it's a lie it's a lie it's like oh we're doing this for you bonnie but yeah now now you've all lied now you're in more trouble if it comes out now you're in more trouble if if it if it does if the truth does get out there so um let's talk about ed ed has a couple of interesting (laughs) scenes here uh it's great scenes yeah ed ed's in the supermarket and he's just doing his grocery shopping you know doing, doing what he's doing and in walks uh, uh, Joseph's wife, whose name I can't even begin to remember. Who is Joseph? Jo- Joseph's the, the guy that uh, Madeline had an affair with. Okay. Yeah. Does this scene make more sense <laughs> I now? I couldn't remember. <laughs> I knew you just watched the show, so like, <laughs> Yeah, so, so I presume this scene makes a bit more sense now that uh, yes. th- this is Joseph's <laughs> wife. So, so the, the, the bum shopping carts, right? Uh, or shopping trolley, as you'd say in a civilized country. And um like he looks up and it's like her and look i'm not gonna lie she was showing off those boobs right immediately it's like cleavage is in your face and it was yeah. all my yeah. and i was like this is a we-, and i was glad that the scene addressed it because i was like this is a weird choice why are, why are they like slitting up her chest so that it, 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 right away yeah <laughs> and i'm like what's with the boobs in my face what's happening here and he's like oh how are you and she's like got my boobs done They're like yeah oh she doesn't waste a second to tell yeah. him about it. And then, like, oh, yeah, I, was I so- love that she goes, um, <laughs> yeah, I was really self-conscious about your breast. No, about my nose. <laughs> but, now, but now, no but now one, nobody looks at yeah, it. Yeah, no one notices the nose now. Everyone's just looking at the boobs. Um, it's a really funny scene. It's a really weird scene. And it makes me think, is she trying to have an affair with Ed to get back at Madeline? Is, uh, and her own husband, I suppose. But like, is that the tactic here? Um, I am... I'm kind of thinking so now that I know that it's Joseph. It's a, right now that I know who that is. Yeah, it's a hilarious scene. <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I mean, so if if they if they want to give me like some hilarity here, like I'll I'll take it. Because um, <laughs> in a lot of ways, like Madeline not telling Ed was kind of one of the unresolved things from from last season. Even though, because um, I actually thought in episode six last season that they kind of did kind of settle it. It, there was kind of a moment where she was going to tell him and he kind of says don't say it and i thought that was kind of implying that he he kind of knew and just didn't want to hear it that's right. not let's just move on like i understand let's just move on but then the finale kind i think of, he's trying to do the whole la 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 ignorance yeah. is bliss ignorance <laughs> is bliss yeah um but now that he's got uh joseph's wife throwing herself at him um with with her and ha- like i would love to know like i mean i assume the enhanced boobs just kind of came about her feeling self-conscious because of the affair but mm. part of me does I think that's implied yeah. yeah part of me does kind of hope though that this was just the first part of the plan it was like the tactic like i'm going to get bigger boobs so that ed cannot say no he's, i'm going to be irresistible and i'm going to shove boobs in his face and he's going to be like what was that <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe i mean i don't ed doesn't strike me as the as the type that would be unfaithful no but and he seems pretty chill most of the time and he always defends madeline so 
I think it would take a lot more than just boobs to get. Oh him sure, to oh sure. Just from what I know of his character. If he's going to do it, like I, I could he buy. He does leer though, because he leered at Bonnie last season. He did, yeah, yeah. They should tell her here that um that he likes women who sweat because that was something he said last season. So right, and that stood out. Like yeah. that's a weird thing to say. That was a weird thing to say, <laughs> uh, but. But I, there is a there is a dichotomy there of like him seemingly trying to flirt with Bonnie to get back at Nathan, and now Joseph's wife's like starting to flirt with him to get back at like both Madeline and Joseph. Uh, there's there's some humor in that uh, and the right. the web of it. But yeah, in the scene itself though, he never actually does anything. Like he leers a little bit, but it, like hell, I would leer. Like it's 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 a it's like a really weird, uncomfortable. I mean, who wouldn't? It's like, like she's just got them all on display. Yeah, like he doesn't do anything that feels like he's actively trying to flirt or anything like that. He's clearly on like maybe not uncomfortable. Uncomfortable is maybe like the right word, but he, he's clearly this is weird. Like what's going on? Like he's clearly that's his attitude throughout the entire scene. Yeah. Um, so like, it could develop into something, and I could buy that maybe he does get tempted. Not because I mean I agree he's not the type of guy that I think would cheat, but one of the things from last season that was clearly established throughout was the idea that uh, like him and Madeline don't have like a very passionate life. You know that that was like a constant like stumbling block. Oh yeah. And okay. I wonder, and I wonder if the idea of a, a passionate affair w- would kind of lure him. Um, but here's mm. the but the interesting drama if he doesn't know that they, they say he like goes to her and says hey like she's clearly trying to like initiate this but like i said no that would be interesting dramatically because then madeline will feel even worse because like she threw herself at him like you know right. and, and she knows he's been having like a kind of like a, a weird unfulfilled you know period in their marriage and he still said no and still you know remained faithful like that could be an interesting dramatic route to go if we want to see madeline completely just break down with guilt um yeah so i mean that's still a lie that she's holding on to from season one yeah yeah um unless the swerve is and like we find out but the the way ed was like confused i mean admittedly even if he knew about it though i still feel like he'd be confused in this scene like what's happening <laughs> what's going on here i i do i almost want i want the like you know the the flashback later on where we get her side of like the journey and all the steps in the plan and it's this scene in the the, the supermarket where she sees him and just sort of rams him with a trolley it's like okay it's time and she runs up and just hits the tr- hits the cart with hers it's like yes plan successful <laughs> phase one is initiated everything's going exactly as planned the seduction of ed mckenzie begins here folks <laughs> We're gonna get a scene later on. He has another. He has another scene though later on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With uh, with Nathan, because I was like, oh, the, the given is that Nathan and him have kind of gotten a bit friendlier. Like, you know, they're maybe in a better place. And then didn't they like fight last season? No, they were going to. They started like bickering about the singing, and then they're like, oh, I'm gonna kick your ass today. And then it was oh, like, the sun's coming up. Oh dear. <laughs> Hold on. Yeah. So so Nathan comes up, and this is again, it's a weird request. He comes up and says to Ed, like, hey, uh, can you take Bonnie out for lunch and talk to her? And I'm like, what? Nathan, you're asking your ex-wife's husband to go on a, a lunch date with your current wife because you can't communicate with her? Do, do you not I thought s- it was really, really strange, like a strange request. But at the same time, like, it's... Ed calls him out on it, like exactly what you said. Oh, sure, absolutely. <laughs> it was going through my mind, too. Like, why would you go to your ex-wife's husband <laughs> yeah it's so weird but he's like no you're good at t- communicating and you know, you you're, you get through to madeline in a way that i never did so would you like to to do this and ed, ed just kind of points out the absurdity of this and he gets like oh you're such a smug prick kind of thing he gets really angry at him and like this yeah. much like the other scene with the flirting i was kind of like i'm kind of an ed shoes here like 
like he's being honest. This is a, a, a what's going on with everybody. This is a weird request. Ed's the one, the one like he's the, he's, the, he's the straight man in all this. He's the straight. He, he's the uh, the Michael Bluth surrounded by. Yeah. If we're going back to the, although I kind of feel bad for Bonnie's husband. I don't remember his name. Nathan. Uh, Nathan. Right. I, I do feel bad for Nathan because he's he's clearly like trying everything. Oh sure, yeah. Like, why not? And he's gone to Ed before in season one because I remember they had. A, a conversation about Madeline and he was saying like can you talk to her do you know what's going on can you explain this to me and then Ed immediately immediately was against him and like no fuck you yeah. <laughs> like we're not friends and then he's doing it again this season I do yeah. still I kind of feel bad for Nathan though because he is trying to reach out oh yeah yeah like I think <laughs> in a way and then immediately gets shut down to, to again be fa- he's like no fuck you to, to, <laughs> you're to, being a dick to be fair to Ed though I don't think Ed's actually that bad in this scene like compared to that season one scene where he basically says he wants to pick a fight this one's yeah. like he is just kind of honest this is a weird request uh, yeah and just because he's got a smirk in his face like Nathan just like kind of flies over, oh you're such a smug prick and he just kind of walks yeah. off um no, I think there's an interesting thing with the men in this show. But all of Perry, obviously, who's like a complete monster, right? Yeah. Who's just like the worst of the worst. He's an outlier. They do a good job of making all the husbands kind of likable most of the time, but they all have kind of like, yeah, sometimes they get immature and like do this like dick measuring thing that, like, right. you know, where they, and it becomes this like bickering. But it's like in contrast to Perry, where like it's mostly kind of harmless you know it's just yeah. them kind of like because even even gordon in the season finale last year when he, he had to commit to jesus like i'll get a restraining order on you if you because i thought up until that point i thought gordon was the most level-headed one and then he had to come in and posture and be like ah jane i'll you know you come after my wife I'm, i'll come after you and then he gets all yeah. defensive and i'm like shut up gordon <laughs> like making an <laughs> ass of yourself your yeah yeah go back to your choo-choos go back to thomas the tank engine <laughs> um but so uh, yeah it was an interesting scene though um i meant to and you know for all my reservations about maybe like them struggling to continue the plot and i'm still a little you know i've I've got some reservations still about the season going forward about like can they actually have the same kind of momentum that season one had because season one was such Mm -hmm. a tightly paced and tightly like packed show in terms of themes and what it was doing with the characters but at the same time we're almost at 40 minutes now of talking about this and it's not been a struggle at all the characters have no, so much there, going there's on there's still a lot in it i think these characters are just so rich it's they're probably pretty easy to write mm. yeah writing this show is easy yeah <laughs> writers should even be paid it's just a, it's just a breeze well i mean like because they are so they're so well written and like fleshed out and well acted and uh, who knows it, it probably isn't an easy thing to write for them like the mystery sure but where do you go from here you have a whole season of setup for them yeah i'm not saying that the writers are lazy <laughs> <Sounded like, laughs> i say the writing is good so it's like it a little bit no no i get what you're saying it's, it's, if you think it's maybe effortless like they're so in the characters heads that it's effortless to like okay what, what would renata say in this scene renata's only thing we in this know so much from them from the seven episodes that we got like yeah sure they don't have another story but i think finding a story to tell about these characters that are so fleshed out and so well acted probably is easier than maybe we thought yeah renata's only thing in this episode really all only when she shares scenes with the other ladies uh she has a scene with the new teacher and she's like yeah, my daughter's special she's really smart give her special treatment also she was bullied last year uh, so let's not let that happen again and then i love the symbolism of her running into the marching band and instead of like going to the side or like she walks through them she like cuts her way through the marching band yeah 
I was like, I don't, I don't think I have to analyze that it too much. It would have been much. so embarrassing for anybody else, but for her, it's like, no, I'm the one who has the right of play here. You guys are in my way. Yeah, <laughs> she's a force of nature, and then the other scene with her is, you know, when Gordon's playing with these trains, is she's like doing a photo shoot for this like woman, you no know, successful woman, woman in power kind of thing. She's like, no, nah, these mm-hmm. photo shoots for these type of like career women, they're all, they're always like in offices, boring like pants. Just no, no, I'm going to do something glamorous, and she's got she this. She's so glamorous. She's yeah. got this shiny so diva. suit on, and she's like doing poses, and she's like, all right, Renata. <laughs> I think much like Madeline. I think Renata's just gone back to season one, episode one, Renata. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I, I I think those two have I think obviously Celeste and Jane because they were more connected with the, the trauma of season one who have have got her in new places for better or worse, and then mm-hmm. Bonnie of course is in the, the you know the much worse place she's she's like you know completely like she was the one who was actually happy and kind of level headed season one, and then in season yeah. two she's like completely been this town has broken her these characters have broken her and I and Madeline instead of like while trying to figure out what's wrong blames it on meditation actually. <laughs> I have to rewind here. I said one of my favorite lines might have been that I don't care about homeless people. It might actually be that another this when she's talking to Madeline, uh, sorry, with Bonnie. Madeline's talking to Bonnie outside before she goes in. And mm-hmm. she says, I killed someone, Madeline. And then Madeline goes, Are you mad at me? <laughs> she still makes it about her. Oh my god. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um so uh, Jane, we talk about Jane. Jane's the one sort of main character we've not spoken about yet. Uh, who has a new job? Um, I guess they couldn't get the actor who was in the coffee shop last season because that's just been forgotten about, and she's got a new love interest. Mm-hmm. There was a guy who works at the aquarium uh, that she works with, uh, and she's well, it's been two years, or it's been a year, a year and a half probably in show time. So, or well, one year because it starts in red. Yeah. yeah, one year. Yeah, a lot can happen in one year. <laughs> Oh God, Tara that used to do safety stuff on a ship. I'm I'm assuming math was important in that, and I, I'm a little concerned that. Look, it's been two years for the show. Okay, I'm trying to like put things together. It, the it, show year and then my actual year from watching it's very different. I like the idea of constantly <laughs> comparing this to Arrested Development, but you're you're giving me a Buster vibe right now. Like, <laughs> well, clearly the blue thing is the I love- land. So. Yeah, I I <laughs> Tara lost her hand at sea. You don't know that yet, but I still. <laughs> it's all fake i'll remove yeah. it a seal took her hand <laughs> um yeah well who's the job if we're comparing the characters to the rest of the development who's the job oh i don't know that's a hard one well we'll have to do this over the course of the season we'll have to like, assign them arrested development characters over the course <laughs> of the season uh Ma- Ma- mary louise is definitely lucille we've definitely sussed that out definitely sussed that out and ed's definitely the michael definitely the level-headed one yeah yeah um, <laughs> oh i can't wait to have seen it to bias um so yeah so, so jay's got this, this job and it, it, it kind of just ends up being like this is how she finds out that everyone's talking about them and they're referred to as the monterey five and you know that kind of thing um but we see that like i think one of the things i want to point out though is the, the contrast of her like with the headphones in on the beach instead of just running kind of angrily as she's listening to music she's like filleting about and dancing and doing like and it does that thing she's where, just letting loose yeah, and yeah. she t- she can't she gets caught and she takes her headphones out. It's like, oh yeah, that must have looked really silly. And like, yeah, it did. Which, by the way, on this topic, I, I I thoroughly recommend this. Google or go to YouTube and search for the scene from Spider Man Three where you know he's dancing through the street. You know, after he's like, he's got the black suit on and like the symbiote's kind of taken over, right? 
what there's a, there's a version of that scene on YouTube with the music taken away as, as if it would you know because like obviously there's no because it's all just music playing in the soundtrack right so what it looks like when he's just walking through the street dancing like that it is insane uh, it makes I it I mean it's already a cringe fest watching it with the music I don't know if I can handle that it makes it like so much better it's like it's like such a funny scene without the music playing like it's just people watching him in the street as he's going like this and like you know he's like dancing <laughs> like. <laughs> it's so awkward it's great um so um yeah and that was that was pretty much jane's uh stuff i mean we know she's not cashing checks because uh, because celeste has been given basically uh like child support child support for for ziggy which um i don't think necessarily she would illegally have, had to have done but like she's obviously doing it because she wants to she's like no no like like ziggy's you know has perry's responsibility so um yeah so um they do all feel like they're more united, certainly. I feel like, you know, we're getting more scenes of just Jane and Celeste, like, having a scene together, or Renata and Jane having a scene together, or, like, I feel like any pair of them could, like, be together now, and it would be okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bonnie, of course, is the one who's uh, feeling the separate because of the, the guilt that's weighing her down, and everyone else has just kind of moved on. Uh, I mean, Celeste has not moved on, but that, that was a poor choice of words, but, like, you know, like, right. they're in different places. No, I get it. Um, yeah. So... I mean, that was pretty much it, right? Have I, have I missed anything? I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I mentioned there was a slightly new version of the theme song in the uh, in the Omni mm. credits. There's a slightly different mix of it, but it was nice to hear it again. Uh, and it's ad- a good song. Yeah, a lot of the same shots of the, the you know the town and stuff, but uh, new shots of the kids in the middle, and then new shots at the end of the uh, the parents. Uh, which notably, again, going going with the idea that they're united now, is that instead of seeing them one by one walk towards the camera, because the kids still do that, but the parents now, the, the five mothers, all just walk in a line in unison on the beach. So again, very symbolic. Yeah. You know. So, um, that's episode one of uh of Big Little Lies season two. Um, yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I was very confused on what season two will, would be, but I like the setup. Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Um, worth mentioning, Tara will not be on the episode two review. I'll do next week solo, mm-hmm. and then Tara will be back for episode three uh, again because the aforementioned house moving is happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I promise I'll still watch episode two. Well, that would be a very awkward conversation in episode three if you're like, what happened in episode two? What, 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 you know, who? All right, give me the recap. Yeah, like, yeah. so Perry's ghost came back from the dead and started <laughs> haunting people. Yeah, that's what happened. Um, I wonder if they addressed, like, did, did, did they tell Ziggy and Max and that that they're brothers at any point in the season? They're like, hey, you're related. <laughs> oh, yeah, I don't know. They don't really focus too much on the kids. No, nah, not in this episode. Maybe, maybe that'll come in a, a little bit more. As uh, the season goes on, yeah, maybe. Uh, so, uh, it, IMDb has seven episodes again. So, uh, same as with season one, unless IMDb is wrong, which it could be. It has been before, uh, but we'll see. So that is that's uh, Big Little Lies season one episode, or season two, sorry, episode one. Uh, let us know what you thought of the episode in the comments below. Like and subscribe, uh, all that kind of stuff. Get us on the Twitter's at mailed underscore fudge for channel updates, and yeah, Tara can do the, the plugging, the Patreon plugging. Go on. You know what? You always make me do this. I know. <laughs> well, if you like our reviews, like what we do, you can go to our Patreon. It's patreon.com slash TV. You can donate as low as a dollar per month, and that dollar gets you bonus episodes of other shows we do. Uh, one of them being uh, The Ace. It's an auto- atomic cinema experiment. I'm distracted by a kitty cat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's our science fiction movie podcast. Mm-hmm. There's also Screams After Midnight, which... Uh, 
which Peter does with Tim. It's a horror movie podcast, so check it out. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Got the cat some love. Um, yeah, I even did some plugging for other shows. They're very good. Um, I'll also just add on to the plugging. Um, we mentioned Chernobyl. We did review mm. that. Um, me, me and Connor did episode one and two. Connor wasn't really into it. Tara subbed in for the last three episodes. And we uh, had a really great time talking about that. So another HBO show. Go back and check that out. And in terms of other TV stuff, uh, Handmaid's Tale season three just started. Me and Connor reviewing that. Check that out. Uh, and then coming up this week, Too Old to Die Young from Amazon starting on Amazon Prime on Friday. Me and Connor will be reviewing that. So a lot of TV content uh, being reviewed right now on the channel and the various audio feeds. Uh, so uh, there's two review audio feeds if you listen to this in the podcast feed. Uh, this one's on the Mail Fuzz Almost Cancelled TV Reviews audio feed. And then there's also the Netflix Original Reviews audio feed. Uh, go to the Patreon page at the top. There's a list of all the audio feeds, all the shows we do, and you can find them really easily or searching a podcast app of choice. Um, there you go. That is that is us. Uh, so thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching TV, guys. Have you got any vanilla? <laughs>